Hey lovelies, before we get started, I wanted to remind you of all the different ways you can get your hands on one of my designs. Impact Fashion is a line of size-inclusive, modest clothing available in sizes 2 through 28. I personally design and pattern every single piece in the collection so that it is fitted to perfection and every single piece runs the same. That means that once you know your size, that is your size in every single piece in the collection. Pretty cool, no? You could shop the collection online at impactfashionnyc.com. Shipping is totally free in the U.S. and the return policy is, if I do say so myself, better than Amazon. You have 30 days to make a decision and don't even have to pay return shipping or any sort of annoying restocking fee. Impact Fashion can also be found at the address at American Dream Mall. The address is a curated, modest department store and definitely worth a visit if you are not an online shopping type of person. The American Dream Mall is located right next to the Meadowlands Sports Complex in New Jersey, and to get to the address, you're going to want to park in Lot C, Level 3. Make a left when you walk in, and you'll see the address on your right. I'm always happy to chat, whether that's to answer your sizing questions or just get to know each other better. Find me on Instagram and TikTok at impact.fashion.nyc or on WhatsApp status at 516-953-9391. You can also email me. It's rifky, R-I-V-K-Y, at impactfashionnyc.com. Enjoy the show. From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Rifki Itzquitz, and on today's show, I sit down with the stylist to discuss her work. She shares how stress and depression affected her body image heading into college, why she decided to leave her glitzy fashion styling job, and we work through one of my major insecurities in real time. Nicole Russo is someone who has used and recognizes the transformative power of clothes. As someone who has carved her own path through the fashion industry and landed at her own styling business where she helps women find themselves, she understands the deeper meaning behind what we put on our bodies. Tell me what you were like as a little kid. Oh gosh, a sassy little minx, let's say. Uh, You know... I always just say, like, I won a genetic lottery, like, being born into the family and the world that I was born into, because this would not be approved in some places. Like, I was just outgoing and creative and colorful, talkative, you know, just the spicy, you know, I kept my mother on her toes. But I was well, I was well behaved. I just really loved pushing boundaries and having opinions and playing with all the things. So I guess nothing really changes because I'm the same person now. <laughs> what what were some of the ways that you pushed your mom's boundaries? Oh gosh. I probably everything from wanting to play in traffic to when I was 16 a friend of mine had become a foreign exchange student in finland and i somehow browbeat her into letting me go to visit this friend yeah and i grew up in a really small tiny little tree-lined town in upstate new york so i wasn't from like the big city i had like no experience like with the hustle and bustle of the world and i really and i don't know even remember what i said i know i kind of like her into it for a long time 
but and she was obviously nervous but she did let me do it and it was and everything worked out but that was a good example of me and I was you know 16 15 I think I was a sophomore in high school I know wow uh, that's good I know as a mother I'm sure that's pretty shocking <laughs> There's, I'm trying to imagine me having that conversation with my mom and there's so no way that that would ever fly. Like not, she would be like, oh yeah, the, she's a Finland. That's nice. You chose the wrong family. Uh, that's not happening. That's literally what my mom would say. Absolutely. That's fantastic though. So you, were you always into like fashion and style? Was that something that came very naturally to you? You know, it's something that I, design and art and pretty things was always something I loved. I was always an artistic kid. I was always like art class was my favorite. I was always drawing, playing. I love playing dress up as like a little girl. Um, you know, I think I grew up in the era of like magazines and, you know, I was, you know, before the internet, I'm an elder millennial. So it gave me, I think like uh, a, a, an arm's length to the fashion world because you had to kind of seek it out and being from a really small town we didn't really have access to like a lot of fashion fashionable people but I always did appreciate it and I think that like I mean I was like any normal teenager at that point where I was like loved shopping so I think it was ingrained in me um naturally but not from like the standpoint of fashion or understanding like I didn't even know fashion was an industry like it was an industry like there's a place you go and you work in that concept no um but I I do looking back at our lives I do realize that like I always wanted to put together an outfit like my mom I always was like trying to like like coordinate my my little like fourth grade like or my four-year-old look I mean there's pictures of me and some quirky cute little things and my mother's like that was all you you just wanted to wear it so unbeknownst but yes very much so so what was the process of like discovering fashion as an industry and like finding your voice as someone with style like um it was very organic you know I had you know I think growing up with a in a family that was you know, very flexible in terms of self-expression, but conservative in terms of lifestyle. So we didn't have a lot of influence and like we weren't jet setting or we weren't living in a big city. I wasn't really exposed to a lot of things, but, you know, as long as I was happy and I was safe and wasn't hurting anybody else, you know, I was encouraged to sort of explore my own sense of self. And, you know, so as an adult, as a young adult, I felt more confident in myself, um, probably more than maybe some people who may have struggled with finding that identity at a younger age. However, I always had, I had really hard body image issues because I, <clears throat> I struggled with my weight a lot as a young child, as a young adult, um, into college mostly just through some stress and depression that I was an emotional eater and I didn't really have a lot of healthy habits and like I was very sedentary and I think that like I grew up in the era of you know skinny and tan was the vibe and I was neither of those things and it took me time to find my comfort in my own body both in a like treating it well and also feeling good in what I wore and, you know, in my early to mid-20s, you know, it was a, 
you know, a roller coaster of like self-love to self-hatred. And then uh, in my late 20s is when I actually started styling because a friend of mine had gotten this fancy new job and she said to me, I need to go shopping. I've been a student for two years and I need new clothes. And it was like breathing. I'd never done anything for fun that that also I could get paid for. And she was encouraging me to, you know, kind of do it for her as a way to, you know, uh, branch out while I was pursuing, like trying to find a career direction. And it opened my world up to something I never knew was possible, including for my own sense of self, right? Like, like I hadn't up until that point even thought of myself as a stylish person. But after that, I, you know, nudged my way into, or I should say, I lied my way into a personal shopping job in a mall in Long Island, where I worked part-time while building my business as a stylist. And I also started to find my own like style identity. I was always drawn to certain things like aesthetically, but, you know, it wasn't until then that I found the confidence to really like appreciate and love my body. And by then I had developed a little bit of a healthier habits in the world. Like I had found a joint exercise that I really enjoyed and I learned vegetables weren't always bad. And that helped me, I think, develop a better sense of self while I also styled people. And I would say in the earlier era of styling and dressing clients, you know, now that I've been doing it for over a decade, I think with every client that I was able to show them how like amazing they could look or how confident they could feel in the way that they dress, it was almost like it healed like another part of myself. And now that I've done like hundreds, maybe even a thousand bodies at this point, I, I would say that like my self-love has grown tremendously. And I think that my clients have helped me develop that even more with each passing year. I can definitely relate to that. I'm, I'm curious. I'll share my perspective on this after because I'm curious to hear your unbiased uh, thoughts on this. But why do you think it is that every time you work with a client, it helps you heal that little part of your body image? Maybe because, you know, I've learned that we're all like these, we really are like these unique snowflakes, especially when it comes to our physical form, right? We're these series of shapes. I know that you really focus on a lot of body shape things. And we are, we're like geometrical forms, essentially, right? And within each of that is this unique in person, our, our color palette, our, our personalities. And, um, you know, it's made me realize that like also everybody has their stuff. Like they have the thing they don't like or they don't love. And they have this like this hurdle that they feel is holding them back from dressing and looking the way that they want to look. And it's, I think, made me realize that like I am in many ways like all of these people because <laughs> I see myself in all of my, like, like I, the pain or the discomfort that they've experienced, I've experienced. And I know that many, 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 many other people have as well. So I think it probably has something to do with the lack being seen and not feeling so alone. For me, it's very similar. It's it's a very similar flavor of what you're saying, which is for me, the more that I talk to people and and especially the more that I help people figure out what styles will look best on them and the more that I design and expand the collection and everything, I it's really been solidified for me that how we feel about our bodies is irrelevant to how they look. That like people <sighs> who I look at and I'm like, oh my God, she is 
gorgeous and I would kill for her body and like look at look at her figure and how amazing she is and then she's messaging me about like "Mm, I don't really love the way that like my hips dip in and that just feels a little bit awkward so like how do I dress for that proportion and like what styles in your collection would work for you know my arms that I'm like really self-conscious about and I'm like this girl feels self-conscious about anything wow like that for me has been the most eye-opening that this just this idea that this this is really it's just something that we all deal with do you know what I mean like it's something that no matter like how gorgeous you think someone is and like oh she has got like she must not think about you know whatever it is and like I have plenty of friends who are super thin and who are and like and who I hear the same things coming out of their mouth as you would expect to hear from someone who is not super thin. And then there are people who will talk to me about like how they they love this part about their body and how they dress and everything. And they're not people who we would consider conventionally pretty and certainly not small. And they are able to move past it. And that for me was the biggest eye-opening of just like, oh, this is not, like this is all a mind game. This is all in our heads. And the more that you see that again and again and again, then I find that that has been really helpful and just moving past all of that just garbage that gets stuck in our heads. Yeah, I t- I always I like to say that like the problem that you think is the problem like your age, your size, your body shape, uh your height, like you know there's all like you know uh, your location, like all these the reasons like you can't do anything. It's the only the real problem is your mind. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's so true. That's really For me it was always my height. I'm barely 5'2". I tell people okay. I'm 5'2 on a tall day. And I always oh. felt like if, like, if I was, I don't, I don't need to be six feet tall, but like, give me like a solid 5'7", you know, like, give me like, if I, could you imagine, like, if I was my size, but like six inches taller, like, how great would everything look on me? That was always my big hang up. And then, you know what, do you know how many tall girls I've spoken to who have been like, it's so hard to find something that's the right proportion because everything just like doesn't work on me. And like, they always feel so gangly. And like when they, if, if they're dating or whatever, then they were just like, ugh, all the guys are just like, so confused or hurt, like looking up at a tall girl and everything. And I was just like, you know what? Tall girls have their junk also. Like we yeah, all- just a different set of problems. Right. Exactly. And it's so like a grass is always greener kind of situation. Yeah. And I also, okay. So like, I also believe that like there are definitely everyone has like their stuff they're not like as into right like um you know what what I've learned especially when it comes to style and you know enhancing yourself from from like uh and your beauty and things like that is like when you are so focused on enhancing the parts of yourself that you love the ones that you don't love as much become so diminished and inconsequential because mm. you're just let the shot the light is shining so bright in the parts that are good that it's just like the other one becomes smaller and smaller versus like the opposite, right? When we dress to hide camouflage, and it doesn't mean that we can't balance, you know, but when we dress fighting the thing that we don't like, then we end up just focusing on that. And that energy makes that thing grow. I mean, it's, 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 it's really, but when we are so focused on the things that we do like or do work for ourselves, um, we just don't stress as much about the other things, you know? And the, the same thing can be said about like, you know, I, I think hair texture is a really great example of this mm. too, or skin tone, right? Like I'm very pale. 
I've been very pale, but I was born this way. And I grew up in an era where, you know, being tan was the only way you could be attractive. And, you know, to this day, I, you know, I, you know, being fair, I mean, I'll go to the beach or wherever and like, I'll be the same color year round because my skin thrives without the sun damaging it my skin is its most radiant its most luxurious feeling it it, it just shines bright when it is pale <laughs> and that's just my skin's way of being its best self and when i learned to tell my skin like you're beautiful in your lightness and i'm gonna like embrace that it's just made it more and more pretty to me and i think so the, you know in general, like it's just the texture is better. Like it is, you know, looks more nicer. It just, it's aged better. Like it's just had, cause that's just the way that my body was meant to flourish. And when we do that with the way that we dress, like it often will translate more confidence. It will, you'll feel better and your self love will radiate to the people around you. Right. And it's so funny that you bring up skin as an example, because I too was born translucent. And for me, <laughs> It's never been an issue. Like, it's just like, whatever. I'm just, I'm just very, very light. That's it's. And it was never something that I really thought about or that I really cared about. Like it was just, it was really a non-issue for me. And it wasn't mm -hmm. until I want to say like, for sure, at least I was in college that I was like, hold on, people like fake tan their entire bodies every single day so that they have color that like I discovered that it was an insecurity because it was just something that was so not on my radar yeah but, but like but for me like fingernails like having like chipped and like not nice like my nails are not like done with like nail polish just because of the work that I do it would just get chipped and uh, uh yeah Same. the exactly <laughs> the chip, the chip bothers me so much but like my nails always have to be like neat and clean and everything and I think I mentioned this to a friend once like she saw me like clean my nails or whatever doing something and she's like what are you doing and I was like oh you know I just want to make sure that like my nails are good and she's like that's a thing that's a thing that people do. And I was like, yeah, it's a thing. Like that's, it's everybody has whatever it is that's there. Hang up. And I love this idea of as we're dressing, if we focus on the things that we do love, then there's only so much brain space. You know, there's only so many things that we can hold at once. And it allows those things that we don't feel great about to kind of fall to the wayside a little bit. Oh, I love that. The idea of like brain space. It's true. Like if you, like, it's kind of like the, that thing where if you, if you're, if you need something done, give it to a busy mom. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like, there's, then you, you create the space for something that need that it needs. Right. Or that right. you require it to have. So it's the same concept. And I think that like when we reframe the way that we like believe something to be true, like you may not be able to like learn to love, like, you know, I don't know, like your cellulite or something like you may not ever like think it's cute, but like, I think trying to lie yourself into thinking it's cute is, you know, might be a, maybe a mountain you're not able to climb, but you might be able to just like focus on like your adorable like hands or your beautiful like decollete or your, you know, wonderful cheekbones or like your waist, like something that is sort of like an easy mountain to, to walk on. And before, like you mentioned, the other one just gets smaller and inconsequential. Right. It, it just becomes something that we don't think about as much. So you mentioned, I love this phrase that you lied your way into this personal styling job, which I think 
people that's the way to do it fake it till you make it it works um but how what was that job like what what were you what were you kind of learning and bringing to your clients and as you were just starting out your own journey of being a stylist Oh, well, it was really interesting because it was at, at an anthropology um, mm. in a mall in Long Island. And was I think this, please tell me this was the early 2000s. Yeah, why? Did you live over there? No, because just anthropology is early 2000s. Anthropology yes. only exists in the early 2000s. Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was, tw- it was, it was, it was the early 2010. So it was 2013. Fair it was still during their heyday. Um, was this 2013? It was around 2011, 2012. Yeah. Perfect so time it to was- be in anthropology. Yeah, Continue. it was during their heyday. I was really lucky where I had this come up in the in the in the um, fashion industry during the heyday of certain brands. So I went from anthropology to J. Crew during the Jenna Lyons days. Nice, and then jumped into theory, which and then landed at Net-A-Porter during their like come up as well. Um, and worked at the uh, Net-A-Porter for about five years. So I had an interesting transcendence through the fashion industry. And that's also why it's so funny because I was this small town country girl who had didn't know the difference between Italian and French sizing and somehow ended, ended up on the Net-A-Porter, like dressing the world's most stylish women. So believe in your dreams, people. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but to your question about how did this initial first job really help me? Well, you know, anthropology is a cataclysmic, like crazy place to learn how to dress, right? Because there's just an abundance of prints, color, you know, it's an, it's a eyesore to some, but it's, you know, an explosion of all of those things. And as a stylist, um, you know, you know, you deal with everyday people. I think like, learning how to style on a retail floor is tremendously powerful because you are doing quick styling and personal shopping for people of all different various body types and lifestyles that you don't know too much about. And there's no, you know, when you're, especially when you're working in a retail floor, like an anthropology or something, there's no commission driven motivation. So you're just doing it for the fun of it. And I loved it. I, you think I was in Candyland. First of all, I really did like the bohemian aesthetic and, you know, anthro at the time. I mean, the quality, frankly, has gone down, which is quite sad. But the brand itself was like such a delight to work for um, being in the store. And, you know, it was great because I was able to really like have these micro moments with people where I was able to have them see things like, oh, I would never put this together. And, oh my gosh, this looks so good. And, you know, Anthro is very similar in that it has like a lot of uh, volume. Like it has a lot of A-line skirts, a lot of, you know, color and a lot of shapes. So you can work with body type in a way, like how you work, talk about body types and proportions. So it was a great place for me to like, really like learn my skills and, you know, rapidly understand like how to combine color print mixing and also you know the limitations of people you know their personal style what they will will and will not wear um so i loved it um i was there for about a year a year and i think about a year and a half and then they changed over management and it wasn't so great anymore to bh so ended up leaving and went to j crew which is its own other like like those are very different worlds yeah, it really was. But that's that's a sign to me. That's an indication of a good stylist. Is it's like if you can, you know, if you're adaptable to different types of aesthetics, 
but the skills translate the same, the color combining, the proportion balancing, um, the understanding, listening to what the client needs and wants, um, is how you develop. It's how you become good at what you do. So were you doing similar work at J crew kind of retail floor styling, working with customers? Yeah. So I was on the personal shopping team, also still part-time, still working with clients full-time on, on the side. Um, and building up my personal business, which was fun as well. I mean, I was working with a lot of, I mean, I always had the same ethos of like, where do you want to go? How can, what we're, how can I enable you to build the confidence and the competency to make getting dressed so easy and fun that you feel like you could take on anything in the world. And I always wanted to be like, I fancied myself a teacher as much as a stylist because I was enabling people to see themselves differently and also like see how they could do it differently. And then I was at J Crew for a while and I had a, a manager there who went over to the basically help run like a theory outpost. Um, and pretty much I reached out to her and I ended up getting the job. And then I ended up working there, which was not really the plan, but it's sort of like my, I, I realized like my retail, like personal, personal shopping career kind of took over. And then I ended up working at Netaporte shortly after. I mean, the world is so funny because I went on that interview, like not really even knowing what Netaporte was. Like I got, like, you never really know like how the world is going to like the little decisions you make in your career and your life are going to push you forward into something like you never imagined. And I, next thing I knew, I was like sitting front row at fashion week and, you know, styling like corporate CMOs of like world-class, like top five consulting firms and like doing things that like I'd never imagined. But at the same time, like the same intention was there. It was just about how do I make your life better, easier, and eventually in 2016, I got a little bored and I kind of went back to styling. I started styling men, um, which, you know, was the catalyst for my lead in corporate America in 2018 and was styling everybody at this point full time um, since then. So what was you mentioned this idea that like you got bored, right? Because you had this these like the succession of jobs in the fashion industry, which is a pretty typical kind of. Uh, acceleration, you know, what we see through different types of jobs and then, you know, end up very glitzy at Net-A-Porter and Fashion Week and, and everything there. What about that was just no longer interesting to you that working with private clients was that much more appealing? Well, I mean, despite all the glamour and the golden handcuffs of that role, I found that there was, first of all, the industry itself didn't really align with my values. A lot of the people that I was surrounded by were, not all of them, but a lot of them were as little vapid as the industry's reputation, you know, it's a well itself. Yes. And it really didn't like, after a while, it started to take a toll on me because it just wasn't, I didn't really fit into that. And I had to sort of compromise myself and compartmentalize myself in a way that long terms felt like it would be really painful and difficult. So there was that element, but it was also like, I really liked my clients and I liked the job at Net-A-Porte a lot. I really appreciated the work was fun. It was obviously still creative. And I think that like the clients I worked with were some of the most incredibly successful and smart women in the world. So it was like quite rewarding to be able to get to know them and support them in their wardrobes. 
but after a while it's a sales job so it started to just feel like i was on this like i was going to be on this hamster wheel of like selling expensive stuff to rich people and that was all I, my career was going to be in the end if i kept on this journey because that was sort of the only way to go because the the industry was very limiting and while you could go into management there's not a lot there you know there's like a handful of these top retail brands and that's it and you end up on this like you know hamster wheel so and the rewarding element of like being with a client one-on-one and you know holistically seeing their transformation from the moment you meet them to the moment you leave was not as fully impactful it wasn't truly as as resoundingly there and I always try to say that like my styling is like it's the nose job of styling because <laughs> you can't grow back who you used to be like it's permanent it's designed to completely change the way you see yourself and you may have new clothes but your new outlook is something that can never be worn out you can never throw that away and that's why I style that's why we do uh, I do what I do and I run the business the way that I do because and that was really lost so and you know there's a little part of me that's like an entrepreneur will always be an entrepreneur like I have this like you know, small business, like, you know, it's that little girl in me that like, didn't want to follow the rules at six years old or like 16. Like I wanted to do my own thing and I wanted to do it my way. And I mean, the best way to do that is entrepreneurship. So it was that part of me too. Amen to that. I feel that on like a soul level. <laughs> how is your approach? What about your approach makes it the nose job of styling? Like, how is this different from just, I hire you, you pick out cute clothes. I move on with my life. Because um, well, there's a huge teaching element. So it's about overcoming the hurdles of the pragmatic, like tactical knowledge of what's held you back. So changing like your understanding of like how to dress yourself and how to dress your body and how to shop. So that way you can be more successful at this and it's no longer a physical problem in your day-to-day -day life. But it's also about reshaping the way that you see what's possible and what's available to you. So that way you understand that like your, your old paradigm is no longer your, where you think currently. You do walk away with like a lot of great outfits that are cohesive, that feel like you, that you can't wait to wear, that, you know, you got in a matter of hours or weeks, you know, with me. But what happens is, is like, you can't, you might've come into the process thinking, oh, like, like fashion is always so hard. Shopping is stressful. Like I can't fit into certain things. I can't pull them off. Like I'm too short to wear that. I'm, you know, and by gracefully walking you through like a series of steps and educational uh, programming, I enable you to understand that none of that was true and that there's actually a new way to look at it. And instead of it just being something that you are trying to think is true, you experience the actual new reality. So it actually becomes true. And that's where real transformation comes into play. That's actually, very cool. Yeah. Can we do that in real time? You brought up this, this example of being too short. This is a, an insecurity that I have. So I, you know, uh, you you come into my closet, you look at what I have. I tell you, I was like, listen, Nicole, I'm 5'2", barely. I like I can't be wearing heels every day anymore. That does not work with my lifestyle, even though that used to be something that I would do on a regular basis. 
how do I, how do I make this work? Like what, what, are, how are we getting around this? Because I just feel like short and stumpy, no matter what I do. Um, so I would first look at your proportions. So I would look at like, I, um, I have listened to your podcast and like, I've, so I, I, from my understanding, you are, you are orthodox. So you dress with like certain limitations of like skirt lengths and things like that. So typically if that was not the case, one of the things I would tell you is to in shorten the skirt length to like a an inch or two above the knee, which would enable your legs to look longer. And because you are petite in total length, you don't, they don't actually, the skirt itself doesn't look as short as it would on someone who is taller. Okay, However, that makes sense, but that's not an option for me. I have to cover my knees. So what are you doing? Exactly. So with that in mind, what I would do is I would look at the proportions of your long skirts and the, how fit where they fit in accordance to your hip to knee and calf ratio. So what that means is, because obviously this is a podcast, so I'm trying to explain this in a way that you can visually reframe it. So what that means is like our bodies are a series of shapes. We have our torso and our legs, right? So they are never meet in the half. So our hip, where our halfway point in our body is, is never where like our torso and our legs meet typically our legs are either longer or shorter or our torso is longer or shorter so let's assume your legs are longer because that's traditionally more common but let's yes, just I, use I, do, I am shorter waisted I do have a shorter torso okay perfect so let's use that as a way to like look at this so I would look at your skirts and I would make sure that like any skirt you're wearing, regardless of length, let's assume it's ankle to mid calf because maxis tend to be easier to balance proportion. So I would make sure that the fabric and the actual fit between your hip and your knee to your calf is balancing you out so you don't look like you're basically wearing your mom's dress or something like a little girl wearing something too big. And what usually happens if that looks too big, it's because when you're, when you, your dress or your skirt drops from your hip to your knee, if it's too wide, it essentially squares you out, which makes you look shorter. Right. So if you narrow your skirt waist, your waist, like this is where like using like knits is great. Like you could use a knitted skirt that is a little bit more uh, body like conscious but not clingy because it moves with the body as opposed to hangs around the body which as a petite person would enable you to look like your body doesn't get lost so that's one way so i would say that like typically if you are feeling like your skirts or your dresses are drowning you and you're petite you want to look at where your hip your knee and your calf are you don't want it to be too wide you don't want that drop from your your hip to your knee to be equal this equidistant you want it to angle in or you we'll just start with angle in because there's others and ors but let's just do this for you want it to angle in and you want it to sort of like you could have a little mermaid effect at the bottom for example or you could have um uh elements of style detail at the cuff which as like maybe it's a contrasting stitch or color and by doing these things you basically were able to see the body shape as you move as you sit and you don't your body shape isn't lost and drowning that's typically what makes people look short or wider or like you know frumpy I'm when smiling wearing... the whole time that you're that you're talking because uh, I gravitate towards straight skirts 
that's, you know, and it, and it also fits in if we think about this paradigm of body shape, it's, you know, for me, it happens to work out really well because I am a triangle body shaped. I carry most of my weight around, you know, my butt, my belly, my hips, that kind of area. So wearing those straighter skirts also helps to just not give me any more volume where I don't need it. And to, and to work within that, like you said, body conscious, but, you know, still in that modest framework. It works yeah. really well. Well, thank you. I'm glad. I think that like what you could really take a lot of inspiration from, and I tell a lot of petite people is that, you know, and this is where personal style comes into play and inspiration is that you could look a lot of Asian cultures that are very Mm. highly stylish. They are traditionally very petite people. Like it's just the way that they're built. And, but yet they wear a lot of voluminous clothing and trendier styles and they, but they balance their proportions exceptionally well when they do it. So if there are elements of that that can be brought into your own style, you can see like a skirt that someone wears, or maybe the way that they balance their proportions with like the way that they wear like a cropped sweater, like, you know, you can still be modest and wear cropped things. It's just about, is it tucked into it? Like it's cropped right, doesn't layering. mean revealing. It means that the proportion of the garment, one is cropped to the other garment. You don't have to reveal anything. Um, so I always tell people that are petite that like look into those because usually typically people will stray away from those aesthetics because they're very high fashion. They tend to be kind of quirky, but from a proportional standpoint, it's like the best educator. Right. It's also, it's about taking the, the little bits and pieces of it that you need. Like don't necessarily look at the print, the color, the pattern that's happening there because that might be you know if you're thinking about like typical tokyo street fashion that's not going to work for like corporate america right but you can take a look at the layout almost like at at the proportions and how different pieces of volume are relating to each other and then just apply that with pieces that work more in your day-to-day yeah and you could start with i always tell people start with one thing that you like in it one thing like or one element that you think is cool or that you can take away from it because Typically, when they look at something, when people look at something like that, they're so overwhelmed by the execution from like A to Z. And like, don't do that. Like, just what are you drawn to and choose that one piece? And like, how can you try it in your next outfit? Yeah, I love that that framework, that way of, of looking at it. You mentioned trends, and I want to touch on this quickly. What's yeah. What's your feeling on it? Do we love trends? Do we hate them? Um, I don't mind them. I think that like, well, the trends are, I don't like this whole micro trend, this feeling of like constant Mm -hmm. consumption. I definitely don't subscribe to that. Um, however, I think that friends are just, trends are just an invitation from the marketplace, right? So it's, um, it's important to think about from a, like a, like a, a season of life or a decade of fashion, like where are you leaning? Like, um, However, you know, if you're because if you're leaning really further into a previous era and you haven't moved into some of the more uh, modern styling or trends at all, you're probably going to end up making yourself look a little aged and dated. However, trends as a general rule are just invitations. They are just like they are just it's just a buffet. You're just going to get to choose from the platter, which you want to try and you know, this is where like you could like explore something new, like a color or a shape or a combination of styling that puts you a little outside your comfort zone or introduces a new version of you. But that's what personal style is. It's about checking out the buffet and choosing what you like the most 
the problem is, is a lot of times people are not even getting up and looking at the buffet. And that's when you start to look dated. That's such you an know? interesting way of looking at it. I love this idea of trends as an invitation, just because personally, I don't really subscribe to trends. I feel like I know what I like. I know what looks good on me. And that's good. And, and I'm happy with that. But I will occasionally change it up with like a, you know, a color or a pattern or whatever that I'm seeing a lot of. But I, I like this kind of gentler framing an invitation, maybe try this, see how it feels, and then kind of taking it from there. Yeah, it. I, I think that like what happens is, is people are, are when they start thinking about like what's on trend or like should I follow, like they're like, it, it's irrelevance really what's on trend if you're not even like interested in trying something new, right? right. Like if you're, if you don't even have jeans you love to wear, you 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 shouldn't be worried about whether or not color, what color is the season's color. Like it's, it's also like, you know, the funny thing is, is there are ways to execute on trends in a trendy way. Like, for example, red is one of the colors of the current season that we're in. And wearing heads so red, like wearing a monochromatic, monochromatic way look of it is very on trend. However, no one is going to throw you out of the bus if you were wearing a red sweater two years ago. Right. Like, so, or like we had that Barbie core trend where everyone was wearing pink because mm -hmm. of Barbie. But like, I remember like eight years ago when bubblegum pink was like huge on the right. runways. So like, and I've been wearing bubblegum pink since I was nine years old. Like you can pull it from my dead hands before <laughs> I stop wearing that color. So like, Sometimes like there are invitations that are really in alignment with your favorite things. And then you should jump into it. Like, you know, that's what I mean by like, it's like, you know, enjoy it. Like find a way to gobble up like something delicious and new rather than, you know, trying to conform to what others are telling you is better or best in order for you to be cool. That's a very refreshing take on on that whole like just way of looking at fashion this has been such a wonderful and refreshing conversation i really enjoyed our time together if somebody wants to learn more about you nicole where can they go so i love connecting with people on instagram you can find me at underscore let's get you it's spelled just like it sounds or let's get you.com and I would love to hear from you i am very active and always appreciate a hello I will tag that in the show notes. It's a it's a solid follow. Definitely a, a page worth checking out. I want to end off with uh, this question that we've been asking everyone who comes on the show. Uh, and Nicole, I'm curious to hear where do you feel in your life you've made the most impact? Um, I feel I show people who anyone who meets me, my clients, anyone, I give people the space to show up exactly as they are. And that actually is pretty incredible. I have friends that like will tell me that like, they're like, I got dressed up and I wore this and I never wear this because like I knew I was going to see you and I knew that it would be okay that I got like put on the fancy dress. I'm like, there's nothing more amazing. I give, I feel like my existence is to give people permission to be themselves. And that is like what I'm here for. And it, it's great. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on today, Nicole. I really appreciate it. Thank you and have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Nicole, her links are in the show notes. On last week's episode, I spoke to celebrity dentist, Dr. V about beauty and oral health. Listen to it wherever you're hearing this one. 
The Be Impactful Podcast is a project of Impact Fashion, the clothing line I created because I believe that we are all deserving of the beautiful things life has to offer. See my modest designs that are available in sizes 2 through 28 by going to impactfashionnyc.com. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art. There are currently 19 people listed by Ora Agunot as a recalcitrant party. View their names, photos, locations, and details of their cases by visiting getora.org slash recalcitrant parties. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses, original music composed by Nisad Fatman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rick Gitzwitz. Catch me on all the socials at impact.fashion.myc. As always, here's to making an impact together.